Welcome to this green church. We're a Christian community on a mission to raise saviors, believers that are righteous and supernatural, to succeed, lead, and have transformational societal impact. Join us every Sunday at 9 a.m. and Wednesday at 6 p.m. to be a part of this amazing service. Be blessed as you listen. So the Ephesians 2, okay? Ephesians 2. Are we all there? All right, Bolu, we can start to read Ephesians 2. Okay. Ephesians 2, from verse 1. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. All right, you can hold on. What? Okay. All right. So he says, as for you, so all of us, okay, everybody included, he says you were dead in your transgressions and sins, okay? Every, you know, um, um, everybody without Christ, okay, is in need of Christ. Everybody without Christ, the Bible calls the man without Christ dead in transgressions and sins. Okay, so this dead doesn't mean that you, you know, we won't, won't talk about, about, about death, about death spiritually, okay? It's not, it's not the same thing as death in the physical. So when people, you know, when people die in the physical, you know, it means they have no motion, okay? They can't talk, they cannot walk, and all that kind of stuff. But in, in when we talk about being dead in sin or in transgression, it means something different. It means it means you know death, death spiritually, according to scripture, is a quality of life. Death is a quality of life, okay? Is a quality of life outside of God. Now all death is separation. Follow me. All death is separation. So, um, physical death is separation of the spirit and the soul from the body. Physical death is separation of the spirit and the soul from the body, meaning the spirit and the soul depart and leave the body. That's physical death. Now, spiritual death is separation. is separation of God from a man. Spiritual death is separation of God from a man. So it is the condition of a man, a person without God. That is also now eternal death. Okay, which is, you know, um, after Christ has returned, you know, your sin and all that, the final condition of a man that never said yes to Christ, such that the man is done forever. Okay, that's eternal, eternal separation from God. So every death is separation. So this, the, the, this, the, the final death, okay, I think I will call it, we call it in, in the Bible, second death revelation, speaks about the final separation of the sinful man eternally from God. Okay, so what all death is separation. So in Ephesians 2, 1 says, as for you, you were dead in your sins and transgressions. Now, physically, physically that, that person is alive, but spiritually the person is dead. So meaning that there, there, there are many people walking and talking when it comes to the real to the real essence of, 
of being. Okay, when it comes to what really matters, the Bible calls them dead. Spiritual death is a man or woman without Christ. So it says you, before, you were dead. You were dead. And, you know, being dead also means, you know, because you are without Christ, you are without God. It shows a, a sense of hopelessness, of powerlessness against sins and transgression. Okay? It shows a sense of powerlessness and helplessness against sin. So it says once you were dead in your trespasses and sins, meaning that you, you know, you were living in sin, okay? You had no you had no resistance against sin, you were living in sin, okay? You were you were you know you were sin and all that kind of stuff. Okay, it says in which you used to live once. Hmm. That everyone without Christ, you know, was in sin and lived that way. And even, even if you go back and if you go back now and do some do some thinking about your life before you got saved. Now, some people based on upbringing, home training, uh, being born in a Christian family, you know, might have displayed different different levels of sinful behavior on the spectrum. Okay, but if when you when you look back, you will see that nah things have changed. Okay, things have changed. Okay, you know that okay, the life I once lived was not it. Okay, I was dead in, in sins and transgressions. Yeah, you all have to some extent different stories of, of that kind of past. Okay, it says you live this way. In, it says in, in those days, in those times you had the world, you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. Hmm. So he's saying that, you know, um, um, so when these people were, when when people in, in this condition of spiritual death, they act in certain ways that they, they even they even think it's natural. But it's, it's not natural, okay? It's, it's, it's not, it's not, it's, not it's, it's the activity of the, you know, activity from influence of, of the kingdom of the air. So some things some people consider normal, consider consider regular humanity is not human, okay? They are following the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. The spirit is not at, is not at work in those who are disobedient. You see this? So, you know, Many times, um, people say things like, okay, um, you, you don't need religion, you don't need religion to be a good person. Okay, well, um, <laughs> the truth is that, okay, what they consider humanity is mostly mistaken. What, what they consider humanity, it is, it is, it is wrong to think that, that human beings can be good on their own. It is wrong to think that you know human beings can exist in a vacuum, so that they are not they are not inspired by God or by Satan, but act independently. It's wrong. The Bible is telling us that you know there are two there are two sources of, of leadership in the world. Romans 14 says those who are led by the Spirit, those who are led by the Spirit are God's children. That is us. Now, if you ask, if you talks about those who are led by the kingdom, the ruler of the kingdom of the air, so meaning that. You cannot really think that, you know, people are without influence. People are never completely without influence. People are never truly human in the sense that they are not controlled by, they are not led, not, not controlled now. They are not influenced or led by spirits. Do you understand? Hmm? Humanity is really, is really humanity without influence. Okay. Humanity is operating under influence. You are, you are either influenced by the Spirit of God or influenced by demons. Now, 
even some so-called saved people, or some of us, even as we are saved, we still sometimes, you know, do things that, you know, if you think it's what you did, you 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 yielded to a bad spirit. Okay? So, you know, what makes us live well, what makes, makes us constantly loving and all that is being born again and following the dictates of the Spirit. Well, here's my point here in Ephesians 1, Ephesians 2, 2, 1, 2, 4. That it discussed, it, it pointed out our past condition. So again, when you read the epistles, take note of the tenses. The topic is Ephesians 2. We are breaking down Ephesians, okay? Chapter 1 last week, chapter 2, you know, this week, and we take it further, like, okay? We are doing Ephesians um, book study. All right? Good. So, verse 3 says, All of us lived like this at one time, gratifying dreams of our flesh and following his desires and thoughts. So he says, you know, the flesh here is what the flesh here. When, when you look at the word flesh here, it's not talking about your physical flesh. That many people read their Bible wrong. Okay, when they see flesh, they assume that it talks about their physical body being bad. No, your body, your body is not bad on its own. Okay, your body has no, your body, your body is not bad. Okay, not on its own. Okay, but the fact that okay, the sinful nature is not, it, it, it is not um, on the physical body. is a is a is a manner of desires and thinking. The manner of influence, okay? So, when you got saved, follow me close. When you got saved, your, your spirit man was rebated, right? But your mind wasn't. So, meaning that your sinful nature, however dead in your spirit, is not dead in your mind. Hmm? So, it's not just keep reading your mind, okay? Because, you know, all the battles you've learned in your past, they formed, they, they formed in quotes, please, I hope I'm making sense. They formed the sinful nature, you know, that tries to influence you from your mind. But in all of this, okay, the body on its own doesn't make somebody sin. The body on its own does not make somebody sin. So when you, say, when you see flesh in the, in the epistles, please check what, check what it's talking about, okay? Is it speaking of your physical body or the sinful nature? Of which, for the saved man, the sinful nature is no longer in your spirit, okay? But it has residues. From your past life, what you watch, what you see, where you go to another, it has residues in your mind, in your thinking. Okay? So he says, then, we, when we were unsaved, we were following, you know, the desires, the sinful nature desires, you know, in his, in his desires and in its thoughts. Now, again, um, again, you know, when, when we say things like your thoughts, are, your feelings are valid, your thoughts are valid, it's not true. Because, again, there are thoughts that originate from the sinful nature from the you know from from from, my, from our, our dealings with the world around us. Okay, so again, it says when we were, when we were unsaved anyway, we followed our, our sinful thoughts. It was fine to do so. Okay, but that now in Christ, when you come into Christ, it has to be different. Okay, so when you become born again, you have to realize that not every thought is valid, not every feeling is valid. Okay, no, you have to get that not every feeling or thought is valid. So you have to begin to see and say this feeling. Is not of the new man in Christ. I will not do this, okay? Okay? Yeah. So, shall all of us before Christ were by nature deserving of wrath. We're by nature deserving of wrath. We're by nature helpless in sin, deserving of wrath. But look at verse 4. But look at verse 4.
But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and set us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order, in order that in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressing his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. All right, pause. All right. So, you know, again, when you read, when you, when you read, when you read the, the episodes, okay, read, read like, you're like you're reading, you know, and you're like you're reading English, English comprehension, okay, where the tenses matter, the prepositions matter, all those words matter because they communicate the truth. So read it. You have to read it carefully. Take note of this because they speak a lot. Okay? So when Paul says here, you know, we're, we're by nature deserving of wrath. We were dead in sin and transgressions. Verse 4 now says, but. But. So the but there puts a separation between what was and what is now. The board that tells us something changed in the story. What changed? But God. But God. Because of his great love towards us. Alright? Because of his great love towards us, God, who is rich in mercy, made, made a way out for us in Christ. Okay? But God, rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ. So, once we were dead in sins, Dead in this meaning, meaning without Christ, okay, prone to prone to um, bad activities, bad thoughts, act not our and all that. But it says, but God, okay, made us alive together with Christ when we were dead in our transgression and sin. So that the difference between between your 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 today and your past is but God, Hallelujah, but God, but God. So you know when you look at your life, okay, you should be able to, you should be able to point out, yeah, it's true, but God. But God, I could have been this, I could have been this stupid, okay? I used to I used to be very, very desire, but God, okay? But I came into Christ. I came alive in Christ. Hallelujah. I came alive in Christ. Okay, so I will say it is in Christ that men come alive. That men without Christ are in a state of death. But it is in Christ that dead men come alive. It is in Christ that dead men come alive. Hallelujah. It is in Christ that dead men come alive. So because I have come into Christ. I am now alive. I am alive with Christ. I am alive with Christ. So being alive with Christ means I'm no longer dead in sins and transgressions. Amen. I follow me. It means I'm no longer dead in sins. You know, it means that sins have no power over me because now I'm now alive. You know, to be alive means to have control, to have a voice, to have a say, to have, you know, to have, um, to have, you know, with regards to sin, stronger, a, a active willpower to say no. Dead in sin means that, you know, you add, you add zero, zero, you know, ability in some, in, in some regard to, 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 to resist, to win against sin. But now to be alive in Christ means, alive means you have, you have capacity, you have agency. You can now, you know, say no to sin. Why? Because you are now alive with Christ. Since when we're dead, God made us alive with Christ. Hallelujah. God made us alive with the It says, it is by grace you have been saved. 
again, so it's God's free work, okay? It's not because you you, you, you didn't earn it, you, you didn't do anything to get it. It's by grace you have been saved. And it says, and God raised us up with Christ. So number one, it says first that we, we were made alive with him. So number one, alive with Christ. See, see your realities. You are the alive with Christ person. He says we are also raised with Christ. So you're not only made alive, you are also raised. Hallelujah. You were raised alive with Christ. Alive with Christ. Raised with Christ. Again, prepositions. In Christ, with Christ, through Christ, by Christ. Alive with Christ. Amen. Raised with Christ. So, so you are the alive one. You are the living one. Okay. And you are also the raised person. You know how we say I'm the blessed man. Yes, you are also the raised man. To be raised means, you know, to be to be raised means, you know, to 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 come to a higher quality of life, to higher life. So you are the one that God in Christ has given a raised life, a higher life. So now you are raised with Christ. Amen. So it means that you know because you are raised, you are made made to Christ. We are raised with Christ. It means that the quality of life you have now is the quality of life of Christ. You have been raised with Christ. You have a new rank now. Amen. You have a new rank now. You have a new heritage now. You have a new glory now. Okay. So you can call yourself the raised man. I've been raised with Christ. So to be raised means to be higher than some things. It means to live on a higher plane than some realities. So where I am, I've been raised. I've been raised. Raised above sin. Hallelujah. Raised above the power of death. Raised above failure. I've been raised. I've been raised. Okay? Raised above fear. Raised above confusion. Raised above lack of hope. I've been raised. So I've been raised to live a new quality of life. I am the raised man. Alive with Christ. Raised with Christ. Okay? It now says, and now you are seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ. So I am the alive one. All right? I am the raised one. I'm now also the seated one. Okay? To sit means authority. Seated in the heavenly realms in Christ. Hallelujah. So it means that where he is, is where I am now. So when Christ prayed in John, in John, in John 17, he says, John 15, he told him John 15, says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. So that where I am, there you may be also. Yeah, it has been fulfilled. So where is it right now? At the Father's right hand. Where am I right, where am I right now? I am in him at the Father's right hand. Glory to God. So when he says, my, my Father's house are many mansions. I go and make a place for you. His, his Father's house is where we are now. It is not where we will go to. Amen. It is where we are now. Hallelujah. So don't, don't get stuck in looking forward to. Understand where you are now and begin to live your in Christ realities now. I am seated. Seated means okay, bale. Sorry, that's Yoruba. It means my mind is at peace. I'm at peace with God. I reign in life. I am seated in the heavenly realms in Christ. So he says, We're dead before, but now we are alive. So when we're dead, we're without Christ, without God. But now look at the difference. Now we are alive with Christ. Alive in Christ. Raised with Christ. Amen. Seated with Christ. So my Colossians 3 says, when Christ, who is your life, shall appear. Of course, it's my life. Why? I'm alive in him, alive with. So this, my new life, is joined together with Christ. Hallelujah. First, first Corinthians 6, 7 says, First Corinthians 6, 7, 6, 7 says, the one who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Hallelujah. So I am joined with Christ. Christ is my life. Meaning that when I see him, I'm seeing me. Hallelujah. Why? I'm alive with him. This, my new life, is in Christ. 
Okay? Raised with him, in him. Seated with him, in him. So therefore, Christ is my life. So when I see Christ, I'm seeing my realities. So what do I do? I build Christ. I build Christ. I build Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. So, because I've been raised with him, again, it speaks about ranking and positioning. So, I remember a story. I remember a story. I don't, I don't know how true, I don't know how true the story is, okay? That he wanted to do deliverance for, for a particular person. And the man spoke out to the three of them and says, and said, where are you standing? Where are you standing? And the, someone said, I'm standing on my two feet. And the devil, the devil slapped the person. Again, I don't know how true is just to. That's the second person. Why are you standing? Someone just said something funny, like I'm standing, I'm standing in the I'm standing in the in the church, that kind of stuff. The devil slapped the person. And that's the third guy. Where are you standing? I'm not standing. I am seated in the heavenly realms in Christ. Hallelujah. I'm seated. I'm seated. Most time we're not, not, not hustling. We're not, we're not fighting Satan. We're not dragging. I am seated. I'm sitting in my place of authority. Where, where I'm seated in the realms in Christ. Raised together with Christ. So where he is, is where I am also. And where is he? He's far above. That's Ephesians 1, 22, 21, 23. Far above. Principalities and powers. All dominion. All rulers. All rule. All that can be named, you know, not only, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. Hallelujah. So you must understand this. You are seated. Meaning that you are now superior in rank. Okay? You are operating the rank of Christ. Amen. You are operating the rank of Christ. So when you, so is is why we have to, we have to not rate the devil too much. Don't rate him too much. Don't rate him. You are seated in the heavenly realms in Christ. Don't rate him. See, in fact, see, if I ever make a mistake, I will not blame the devil. I will say that me mess up. Okay. Now nah, I, I won't give him credit. I want it's below it's beneath me. So it means it takes me to allow him. When the Bible says give no place to the devil, because it takes me to allow him. He can't just do anything. It takes me to be careless. It takes me to 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 do nonsense. Okay. So you know, realize this. Realize this. So there's no fear of village people. There's no fear of village people, no fear of some some curse, no fear of some non of some family family clinical clinical, no fear. I have been raised. See, before I was dead in sin, okay, I was in devil's devil's dominion in his camp. I was in his hands then. We made a mistake, okay, I got saved. He made a mistake. He allowed, he allowed me to get saved. I got I got saved. He's in trouble. So I'm now free of his power. I'm free of his reign. I'm free of his rule. Hallelujah. I've been raised together. With Christ, where are we where are we now? We are in the far above, far above all ruler, all authority, all power, every name that can be named, not only in this age but also in the age that is to come. So you will see the devil, you must see him, the devil and his courts as far beneath you. Now, I'm not speaking about some, some three headed. Um, Images. No, no, no. I'm speaking about his activities, his subtle activities. Okay? Temptations. Fear. That is to compromise. And fear. Low self-esteem. Worry. Deep anxiety. Fear of tomorrow. Because now, the devil has, 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 has won a good disguise. Okay? You know, before it was, you know, 
somebody flying in the air, you know, some witch appearing somewhere, calabash on the road, you know, um, somebody, somebody is in, is in, is in, is in, is in the occult, you know, but nowadays, okay, you might really see those anymore because again, devil has changed strategy. So how does, how does he operate now? Fear, worry, low self-esteem, imposter syndrome, you know, depression. That's a cute guy now. That's, that's a cute bride. That, that, that's the devil's cute bride. Depression. Okay? Depression. Those things, okay? Now, realize that when you're dealing with those things, okay, you're dealing with rulers of the air. Okay? But realize also that they are now beneath you. Hallelujah. So deal with them as though beneath you. Temptations. Addictions. Deal with them as though why you have been raised. You have been raised. I am living, man. I am life. Okay? I am life. When you live now, you are, you are in control. You are, you are operating the authority of Christ. You are operating the rank of Christ so that you reign in life through Jesus, the Son of God. Amen. And it says that so that through us, through the coming ages, now when you read, when you read, um, when you read, when you read the epistles, okay, now in the Greek, the same, I hope I'm correct here, the same word that, that, that is, that is, um, that is in, on, true, okay, those words in Greek mean the same word. So sometimes when you see in, you could also pass for true, okay, true, and sometimes even on. So it's not the usage that makes you understand which one of them should be applied there. Why am I saying this? Verse 7 says, in order that in the coming ages, it might show, is it, is it the rich of his grace, you know, through us the believer, expressing his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Now, the the end there, okay, in the coming ages. Now, if you read that, my, my, my take it to mean that, okay, in the age to come, okay, okay it will show his incorporated riches of his grace through us, his children. No, we should read it as, so that through the coming ages, to mean that, okay, it's already begun. It's already begun. And to be all through the coming ages that God will use us to display his incomparable riches of his grace. Okay? Expressed in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. That from when the Holy Spirit came in Acts 2, all through the coming ages, the believer is a signpost of the goodness of God. The believer is a signpost of God's incomparably rich glory. Hallelujah. The believer is a signpost of the incomparably rich grace of the Lord. So, you, your life ought to be a story. Your life ought to be a story of the rich life, of the higher life, of the life of grace. Hallelujah. Of the kindness of God. And your life ought to tell a story. So, it's why, you know, when you go to situations, relax. Your life is about to tell a story, okay? Now we don't want battles to happen. We do, we don't want the, we don't want delay. But we don't want it. But when when you find yourself in those situations, do not begin to cry. Your life must tell a story. That ah no, I fell but I rose back quickly. Hallelujah! I was down but now I'm up because my life is a signpost of the kindness of God. I live the rich life. Hallelujah! God wants to make a name with your life. He says, for it's by grace we have been saved. True faith. Okay? And this is not from yourself. It is the gift of God. Not by works. So that nobody can boast about it. You are saved by grace through faith. 
How did the, even the faith is a gift? How did it come? It's funny. How did, how did the faith come? You heard the message preached to you. See, it's why we must preach. Because the, the faith comes by hearing the word of God. Meaning, faith is delivered by the word preached. That's Romans 10. Romans 10 is not true. Faith is conveyed by preaching. Faith is conveyed by preaching. Hallelujah. Faith is conveyed by preaching. Faith comes by hearing. Faith is the gift of God that comes in, in response to the word preached. Faith is the gift of God that comes in response to the word preached. So, is why we must preach. Don't think of, don't think it too much. See, just preach. Okay? The gospel is a vehicle through which God delivers faith. The gospel is the DHL, the vehicle through which God delivers faith. The gospel is the FedEx, <laughs> through which God delivers faith. So, the faith is a gift from God. All you just need to do, hear the message. So, you must keep preaching. Okay, if, if someone keep hearing us preach, faith will enter. Faith will enter. Faith will enter. It's just you, okay? My line cannot break. It's not me. That is not my line that is breaking. It's your line, okay? It's not my line. It's your line. Children, it's your line, not my line. Okay, it's your line, not mine. Don't worry, I'm sure. Hallelujah. All right? Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Okay? We are saved by grace through faith. We are saved by grace through faith. Not by works, so that no one can boast about it. Hallelujah. What a glorious gift. Not by works. Okay? For we are God's anti-work. Look at this. I like the play of words. So good. We are saved by grace through faith. Okay? This is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast, but we are God's handiwork. Not by works, so no one can boast, but we are now, we are God's handiwork. All right? Created in Christ Jesus. Glory to Jesus. To do good works. Now, God prayed in advance for us to do. So, even though we are not saved by works, we are saved unto good works. We are not saved by works. We are saved unto good works. Meaning that, good works is a compulsory fruit of salvation. Good works is a compulsory fruit of salvation. I mean, I can wonder if you are saved, if, if life is not changing. We can wonder if you are really saved, if your life is not changing, because even though we are not saved by works, we are saved unto good works, because we are now God's handiwork. The new man in Christ is God's creation. The new man in Christ is God's creation. The new man in Christ is God's creation. So this new creation, this, this new creation is righteous, meaning that if you are saved, you are righteous, meaning that you must compulsorily bear righteous fruit. Amen. So meaning that if you are now saved, I'm not living, living that righteous life. Two things are involved, okay? Maybe one to say, maybe you're explaining you, okay? Because I, you should produce righteous fruits. What should you do? Obey, obey, your righteous, obey, righteous, nature, obey your righteous nature. Obey your new nature. Obey your righteous nature. Yield to your righteous nature. Stop yielding to sin. Yield to righteousness. Yield. We are righteous. Just obey. Stop, stop fighting who you are. Obey your righteous nature. Walk in love. Live right. Forgive. Practice, practice, you know, higher ethics. Obey your righteous nature. Because many times, you know, this thing we are talking about, you know, it's not as though God will begin to force you to live right. God, God will not do that. He has given you power 
to live right because now you are alive in Christ. You now have ability to live right. It's now on you to use the ability, yield to the ability, yield. God will not drag you or force you. No, he doesn't do that. You still have your agency. It is now you. See, the truth is this. We always have warnings in our hearts before we do bad things. Yes or yes? We always have warnings. Okay? We always have warnings. But some people are getting so used to not obeying the warnings that even now, the warnings have now become very faint. If you can bear me witness, if, if you want to be real with yourself, that if you keep making a particular mistake, okay, you find that the more you do it, the more you can do it. Why? The more you do it, the lesser the, the lesser the conviction from your spirit, man. Because why? You know, God will not force you. So that the more you yield to sin, the more you can yield to sin. Voila then, but that, that, that is investing in crisis. So what you do? Practice yielding to righteousness. Practice obeying righteousness because the more you act righteously, the more you can act righteously. Okay? You are slaves, Romans 6. You are slaves to what you obey. Hmm. See, whatever you obey will finally, finally dominate you. Whatever you practice obeying will finally dominate you. Whatever you practice obeying will finally dominate you. So if I, you know, obey righteousness, it dominates me. I'll just, I'll just live righteously more and more easily. If I now keep obeying sin, I'm, I'm yielding back control to sin. That is a bad place to be. To now yield back control to sin is a bad place to be, okay? So you, the spirit man, you, the new man, dominate your mind. Renew your mind and let your body follow suit. Not the other one, okay? Yield, you know, dominate you, new man in Christ. Dominate the mind by renewing the mind, okay? And um, controlling the body, okay? Amen, 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 amen. Amen. So people now ask, people now ask, um, okay, so if I'm not saved by, if I'm saved by grace to faith, and I'm not saved by works, okay? So does it now mean that my works don't matter? Now we've already said, we've said it now, that you are saved unto good works. That the proof of salvation, the proof of salvation is the fruit of it, okay? We shall know that by their fruit. The proof is in the pudding, okay? The fruit is in the good works that you begin to live out. So meaning we should see changes, we should see growth, okay? You should see growth in yourself, okay? That's the fruit of salvation, okay? So allow that fruit to germinate. Allow it to grow. Produce good works, okay? Are we still here? 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 Okay. Good. Titus 2. Titus 11 to 14. Titus 2, 11 to 14. Titus 2, 11 to 14. Titus 2, 11 to 14. Since opposing network, they're coming in and out. I feel for you so much. Okay. Suppose network, I just think they're coming to the meeting, leaving the meeting, in and out of the meeting. Network problems. It is well with you, okay? It is well. Titus 2, 11 to 14. Titus 2, 11 to 14. Um, are we there? Titus 2, 11 to 14. Sharon, how to hear your voice? Are you here? Sharon. Titus 2, 11 to 14. I'm here, sir. Are you with your Bible? No, sir. I'm not with my Bible. Why? Are you with your phone? Yes, sir. Are you where you can read? 
Yes, sir, I can. We are Titus to level 14. I know it's in where. Titus to level 14. Okay. Please give me a minute, sir. My, okay. my phone is not very... 15 more seconds. Okay. You win. Okay. Titus to... 11 to 14. 11 to 14. Yeah. It says, For the grace of God has appeared... That offers salvation to all people and teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself the people that are his own, eager to do what is good. Hallelujah. So it's what the grace does here. Now, the grace of God, is it grace to sin and say, God, forgive me? Is that, is that the grace of God? Follow me closely. Is that the grace of God? Okay, so that you can do anything. And I say, Lord, Daddy, Lord, Daddy, Jimmy. Is that the grace of God? No. So, the grace is not permission to sin. The activity of grace is not the permission to sin. The activity of grace is not the permission of sin, but the killing of sin. Okay, the death to sin. The activity of grace is the putting to death sin. Putting to death the power of sin. So, we are seeing God's grace appear. Okay? In the person of Christ. The price he paid on the cross of Calvary is death by resurrection. Okay? It teaches us to say no to ungodliness. So, the activity of grace in you is the desire and ability, the power, to say no to ungodliness and to godly passions. So, how you show you have received grace is your ruling over sin, is your saying no to sin and yes righteousness. How you tell yourself that you are that you are in grace. This is the root of grace, the ability, the desire, and ability to say no. That even even if it costs me money, eh? Even if it costs me money, I will not do this thing. I will not do it. Even if you what right, I will not I will not commit this sin. I will not do it. See, even if you are the last woman on the earth, eh? That the last woman that's available for marriage on the earth will want me to sin. I will not sin. I will single. I will single my single. Okay? That's that the activity of grace. Being able to look at sin and say, I will not do and I will not die. Do you understand? Yes, I will not do this bad now and I will, not, I will not die. Okay? That's the activity of grace. Saying no to sin, to worldly passions, to live self-controlled life. You can hold your body in self-controlled life. This is a work of grace in you. Tell yourself, I will not do this. I will not masturbate. I will, I will not, and I will not die. Okay? And it totally, totally involves telling yourself, I will, when you say, I will not do it. You will tell yourself, see, I'm living the race life. There is grace that work in so I will not do it. Okay? So live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Since Christ redeemed, redeemed us for himself, to so praise for himself, a people who are his very own. Look at this. A people who are eager to do what is good. So, so the activity of grace in you is the production on you of an eagerness to do what is good. So the point is that you will never see scripture that uses that permits grace as a license of bad behavior. No. You will never see scripture that uses that, that permits grace 
as a license for sinful behavior. You are saved without works, but you are saved unto good works. Saved without works, but saved unto it's like like getting get to school with, with scholarship. But you have to get you have to read your book. You came in scholarship, but when you get here, <laughs> so we are saved unto good works. Saved unto good works. All right. Someone will now ask, what will then happen? Okay, what will happen if, even though I'm born again, okay, I now sinned, okay, I now sinned, and Jesus now comes before I said sorry. Okay, Jesus now comes before I said sorry. I'm born again, I know I'm born again, okay, but I now sinned. Christ now comes, you know, and you met me in the same. Okay, what will happen to me? Am I going to hell? Now, first, I prefer that God doesn't meet you in your sin. I personally prefer it for you. I prefer it for you that God doesn't come back and meet you doing, doing something stupid. I prefer it for you. Okay, I really prefer it for you. Okay, but first John 2. First John 2. First John 2. You know, the Bible says God should meet us waiting. God should meet us, he should return and meet us waiting, meaning that he should return and meet us, you know, ready. He should return and meet us ready, okay? Ready, meet us, you know, meet us in right condition, okay? But yes, well, let, let's wrap that up, okay? Um, first John 2, first John 2, first John 2, first John 2. So even though, let's, let's read it, let's read, let's read John 2. First John 2, so we're, so we're together, so we don't drop, drop the gun. First John 2. Bura, grace produces, produces in us an eagerness to do what is good. Produces in us an eagerness to do what is good. Grace produces in us an eagerness to do what is good. Titus 2, 11 to 14. Grace works in us eagerness to do what is good. First John 2. Bolu, first John 2. First John two, from First John two, yes, from one. verse one to one and one and two. Okay, my dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Hallelujah. So he's saying. I'm telling you these things so that you will not sin. First, let's first clear that first. That I'm teaching you this so that you don't sin. So first, don't use my teaching as an excuse for sin. Grace does not license sin. But it says, okay, because children, you know, it's common, it's common sense that children, even though even though walking is in them, okay, what about them to walk, children will stumble. Right? It says, if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, righteous one. He says, is the pain for our sins, the sacrifice for our sins, not only for our sins, but also for the sins of the world. This is the point of it, okay? That when a believer falls short, okay, the price that Christ has paid for him speaks advocacy over him. Are we together? That when a believer falls short, the price that Christ has paid for sin over him 
speaks advocacy over the believer. So he says that if anyone sins, we are before God an advocate. What's the advocate? It's not Christ. Right, 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 Christ, Christ. No, it's not in heaven saying, you know, ah, Ura just sinned. God forgive Ura. God forgive Ura. My father, my father, forgive Ura. Ah, Tolu Laya has sinned. God forgive Tolu Laya for our sin. Bolutu has now sinned. No, no, it's not, it's not out there doing, you know, calling names and saying, ah, forgive that one. Forgive that one. Forgive that one. Ah, that one forgive you. No, no, that, that, that's not what is happening, okay? His advocacy is his, his shed blood. The advocacy of God, the advocacy of Christ, okay, is like that Christ paid for sin. Are you getting me? Did you get that? The advocacy of Christ before the Father over you is not him saying sorry for you every day, but rather it is his blood that has been shed for you, that advocates for you every time. Meaning that this blood is always speaking forgiveness over you. Amen. The blood of Jesus speaks forgiveness over you. John 7, 7 says, In him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins through his blood. In him we have redemption by his blood, the forgiveness... <laughs> you see now, you are jumping the gun. And if you are jumping the gun, okay? I said the advocacy of God, of God the advocacy before the Father is the shed blood of Christ. It's not, you're not the one pleading it. You're not the one that's pleading it. You're not pleading it, okay? The blood was shed for you before you were born, okay? You are not pleading. The, you're not even pleading in this case, okay? The blood is speaking over you. It isn't anywhere here that you plead the blood. The blood, the blood now bring you bring your forgiveness. It's, it's not anywhere here that you plead it and the blood will now, will now forgive your sins. No, no, no. The blood was shed. You became born again and said yes to the shed blood. When you said yes to it, the blood was pled, pleaded, 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 pleaded over your life, okay? And the blood speaks over you. Amen. If you have to plead blood yourself every time for your forgiveness of sin, you're in trouble. Because if, 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 if Christ now, that's my point, right? It's my point. It's my point that if Christ comes before you could plead that blood, you are going to a fire. You get the point here. So it's not you pleading the blood that saves you. When you got born again, you came into, you came into what the blood has done. So the blood was pleaded, pleaded. I know the English thing to the English word, okay? The blood, okay, was plead. Please, someone should help me. It's, the blood began to speak over you. The point you got born again. Hallelujah. Do you understand this? So if anyone sins, okay, the price that Christ has paid, okay, the price that Christ has paid speaks over the believer. Let's go to Hebrews. Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12, 24. 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 Hebrews 12. The mediator of a new covenant. And to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Take, take it back a bit so I'm not confused. Start from 22. Hebrews 12, 22. 22. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, 
to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. We have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirit of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. You see this? So he says, you have come into Mount Zion. So by getting saved, you have come into Zion, to the city of the living God. Now, in this, in this city of the living God, look at this, verse 24 says, you have come to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. The blood of Christ is speaking over your life. Now, Abel's blood spoke vengeance, right? Is why, is why, is why Cain had to face consequences. But the blood of Christ speaks a better word. The blood of Christ speaks over you forgiveness, redemption, hallelujah, to the blood that speaks a better thing than the blood of Abel. Abel's blood spoke vengeance. The blood of Christ speaks over you forgiveness. The blood is speaking. The blood of Jesus is a continued, is a continued advocacy of God over your life. The shed blood is a continued advocacy of Jesus over your life. Mm. The shed blood is a continued advocacy of Jesus over your life. So, the blood of Jesus is speaking for you forgiveness. Hallelujah. So, you will see, in, again, I don't, I don't know how to go to this blood pleading matter, okay? But nowhere in scripture did we see anybody plead the blood. Let's not even go there. Nowhere did anybody say, I plead the blood. Nowhere. So, where you, where you got that from, I don't know for you. But nowhere in scripture did anybody say, I plead the blood. So, what we know in scripture is that the blood speaks for us. Hallelujah. The blood speaks for us. The blood speaks for me forgiveness. The blood speaks for me redemption. Hallelujah. The shed blood. So, if a believer falls short, okay, the blood of Jesus that has been paid for his sins speaks for the believer forgiveness. Should we live in sin? No. Should we, should, should we sin casually? No. Should we excuse sin? No. Okay? But when a believer sins, the blood of Jesus speaks forgiveness. So, are there people here today? Are there people here? We're going to, we're going to hand you today. Are there people here that you have um, you have strayed a bit and you're dealing with guilt? Alright? Know this. Sin is not permitted. Sin is defeated. So yes, you have power over sin. Okay? But the guilt of a mistake should not hold you down. The blood of Jesus speaks for you forgiveness. Is why you can and should boldly approach the throne of grace for mercy and help in times of need. So, now that you feel fallen, you feel, you feel sinful, you've made mistakes, you feel guilty, or even if you know some, some people have some people have um you know have in and out of bad behavior approach the throne of grace with boldness for mercy and help in times of need why the blood has been shed and because you have put your faith in the shed blood of Christ you have forgiveness so boldly lay claim to your forgiveness what should you do father 
I goofed. And I really feel guilty about this. It is it's weighing me down. But I know that guilt is not your plan for my life. You're not, you're, you're, not, you're not happy seeing me wallow in guilt. Yes, you want, you want me to experience godly sorrow, to be, repentful of, to be repentant of bad behavior, but you don't want me wallowing in shame and in guilt. So because the shed blood speaks for me forgiveness, today I receive, I lay hold of my forgiveness. It is mine. I receive it. I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. The blood of Christ cleanses me, has cleansed me from all iniquity. I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. Yes, and I, I have the grace because I'm in Christ. You know, I have the grace to say no to sin. And I choose to say no to sin. I choose to live the race life in Jesus' name. So if that is you, if you need to reach out to me, please reach out to okay? But don't let sin and guilt hold you down. Okay? You are forgiven. The blood has been shed for your life. Your sins have been taken care of. Lay hold of your forgiveness. Approach the throne of grace boldly for mercy and grace in your time of need. Remember, you are not saved by good works. You are saved by grace through faith. Okay? So don't let your mistakes, you know, ruin, ruin your, your sense of faith. You are saved by grace through faith. Why? The blood was shed for you. Is there a question? I want to stop here for today. But is there a question? Someone put hand up before. But I, thought I, thought I, I thought I saw your hand up somewhere. Is that hand still up? Is that hand still up? It was my hand. It's no longer up. Okay, mommy, be silly. Any, any other hand? Any other question? Any, any, any question? Okay, I'll, I'll read one more verse. I'll read, I'll read one more verse just so that I finish that very well. First John 3, 1 John 3, 4 to 9. 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 Antibolu? 1 John 3, 4 to 9. 1 John 3, 4 to 9. Yeah. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appears that he might take away our sins. And in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil. Because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin. Hallelujah. Because God's, sin, God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. Hallelujah. For me, this is encouraging. It says the Son of God appeared to destroy the works of the devil. This works, the works in this context are the old of sin, sinful habits, sinful desires. So Christ appeared to destroy the works of the devil. Hallelujah. So because Christ has appeared, okay, we have seen the grace of God and I've received the grace of God. Devil's works in my life are defeated. So his, his activity of sin, of temptations, they have no hold over me. Glory, glory, glory. You know, verse 9 says, 
no one who is born of God will continue to sin. Why? Because the seed, Aya, the seed of the Father remains in him. They cannot go on sin because they have been born of God. Hallelujah. So I remind myself of this tonight. I am born of God. So because I am born of God, I cannot live in sin. I can't. Why? The seed of the Father lives in me. Whoosh! I have been born of righteous stuff. I'm born of God. So therefore, I cannot. I cannot. I cannot go on sinning. Sin has no hold over me. Christ has appeared and has destroyed the works of the devil. What should you do? What should you do? When tempted, hold up your victory. Ah, yeah. When tempted, hold up your victory. Hold it up like a banner. Wave it. I'm born of God. Hallelujah. I can't go on sinning. Oh, boy. Yes. Every tempted. Every tempted. Oh, boy. I'm born of God. I can't go on sinning. The seed of the Father lives in me. Oh, boy. Ah, yeah. The seed of the Father lives in me. I cannot go on sinning. Sin is defeated by my life. Sin is defeated. I live righteously. I am born of God. Hold up the banner of your of, of, of God that's not for you. Hold up, hold it up like a banner. Hold it up like a banner. Say to yourself, sing it. Sin is defeated. I am born of God. No one who is born of God will continue to sin. Why? Because God's seed remains in them. <laughs> they cannot go on sinning. Why? Because they have been born of God. This is your reality. You are the one that is born of God. The seed of God is in you. And so therefore, you cannot go on sinning. Meaning that the seed of God in you is your power over sin. Hallelujah. So, build this power. Say no. Say no with your chest. Don't be afraid. Be bold about it. When tempted, remember, the seed of the Father is in you. The power of God that's working in you is your power to rise above sin. To live the race life. The race life. The higher life. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. In Jesus' name we have taught. We hope you were blessed by that sermon. Chance to growth and global impact. Feel free to contact us via our social media platform at This Green Church. And do join us every Sunday by 9am and Wednesday by 6pm to be a part of our family. Remember... You are that Savior. You are light and life to your world.